and welcome to Reliving My Youth, the pop culture podcast where we look back at the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman, and this week I took the show on the road, so to speak. I was live from the Comic-Con, Con double N, at the Foxwoods Casinos in Connecticut. And I found out about this show by dumb luck, pretty much. I was promoting my first podcast with V's creator, Kenneth Johnson, and while I was looking for ways to promote it, I came across this convention a couple days before it actually occurred, and to my luck, they had a V reunion there with a few actors, so I got lucky there. They also featured a bunch of other people from pop culture. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, woo, was there. Of course, they got to do that. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, The Nasty Boys, John O'Hurley, who played Jay Peterman in Seinfeld, was there. Tony um, Katayan from White Snake Video, you know, the, the girl in the car. Um, and, of course, Stranger Things is huge these days. It's over the past year. Uh, I've been to quite a few conventions, and every convention I've been to has had at least one or two actors from the show. This one was no different. Dustin was there. Uh I always find it weird, though, during these conventions when kids are one of the featured guests, how crazy adults act around them, you know, not to mention just, you know, plopping down 50 to 60 bucks for a picture or, you know, an autograph, but just the way they act around them. I mean, they're kids. I, I don't blame the these kid actors for striking while it's hot. This show is huge now. Take advantage of it by any means necessary. But the adults act a little weird, you know, these adults could be the kids' parents, grandparents, great-grandparents' age, and they act a little goofy around the kids. Uh, some of the people were there, Ray Park, who played Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, uh, Spencer Wiling, who played Darth Vader in Rogue One, they were there, they did a, a really entertaining panel, uh, my son Zach asked a couple questions during that panel, uh, Ray, we spoke to Ray a few times in, you know, previous conventions, he's... A very, very sweet guy. Uh, some of the other people who were there who really, really interest me, uh, we all know I'm a big Karate Kid fan. Billy Zafka was there, who played Johnny. Um, I've seen him at other conventions as well. This one really, really took the cake for me. Martin Cove, who played Sensei John Kreese. Uh, I had a chance to speak with him. We'll get to that in a little bit. Author Timothy Zahn, who created Grand Admiral Thrawn. He wrote the Heir to the Empire trilogy. I spoke to him. That was a great interview. And But our first guest, you might not know the name, but you know his roles. He's been guest starring in TV. He's been in movies for almost 40 years now, and that is Frank Ashmore. Frank played Martin in V. And he started a little comedy you may know about an airplane. Well, he was Victor. What's your Victor, Victor? That was him. And here's my interview with Frank. Can you talk about like 30 of these things 35 years ago, and you're still here talking about these in your wildest dreams? Do you actually think this was going to happen? Oh, no, not, not at all. Um, you know, as a young actor, you just kind of like go where your agent tells you to go, and uh, you hope for the best and walk away and try to forget that audition. Um, v was not like that for me. My wife at the time, Shannon Monaghan, was Kenny Johnson's assistant. She literally hand-typed the entire script. Four-hour miniseries, that's a lot of typing. And when 
she got to the uh, the area of the script where the character Martin was introduced. Well, he was introduced early on, but of course it wasn't flushed out until that uh, second si uh, two hours. And she came home one night and she said, Frank, I think there's a role in this for you. I said, really? She said, yeah, it's a character named Martin that Kenny's developing. And uh, I said, oh, that's cool. Uh, maybe you can get me an audition. So anyway, one thing led to another. The script was completed. They started the casting process. And Kenny just kind of very offhandedly said to Shannon, oh, by the way, I want Frank to play Martin. And she went, you want him to play Martin? And he really need to audition? No, because he's got the part. That kind of... Uh, ran counter to what the casting director wanted. Phyllis Huffman wanted her husband <laughs> to play Martin. David Huffman, a wonderful actor, who would have been wonderful as Martin, but that's not what the good Lord wanted. Everything being perfect in the universe, I ended up with a role, and here I am today, at Comic-Con. I'm K, uh, uh, excuse me, I'm K. Yeah. <laughs> 2017. <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully we can add it. Yeah, of course, yeah. Now you mentioned Martin. Now when the show went to the yeah. weekly series, and he, you know, spoiler alert, went to kill the exactly. man in the first episode. Yes. Did you actually think that uh, you would be returning in any well, sort of capacity? Well, I was incensed that they killed me. So was I. You're my favorite. I, I said, are you insane? Why are you killing this character? This is a great character. And I had to be very careful because Kenny was no longer on the show. Right. He created Martin for a very specific reason, the morality issue of uh, good versus evil. And the fact that Martin had this heart, of a very righteous heart, uh, to uh, uh, campaign for uh, the, the goodness in man, <coughs> was, I thought, very, very important to the whole story of Eve. So I, I went to the producers and I said, uh, this is crazy. And they said, well, we just don't know how to write for Martin anymore. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, it's limited only to your imagination. It's science fiction, guys. This guy is a lizard. He can crawl under a rock and hibernate and come back to life. I said, come on. Well, anyway, they killed him. NBC and uh, Warner Brothers never experienced more male at that time, I'm sure they have since, but at that time, campaigning for anything on an NBC show before. So they all, they, all the suits got together and said, well, maybe we should bring this guy back. Who is this Frank Ashmore? Anyway, why, why, why are they so uh, head up about Frank Ashmore? It wasn't Frank Ashmore, it was Martin. And uh, anyway, they did not bring Martin back. They brought back Philip. I wish they had brought back Martin because Martin was a character I loved to play. That was the character that ignited my imagination. But, you know, Philip had its redeeming qualities. It was a good paycheck <laughs> for uh, six episodes. And then uh, when I walked on the set uh, as, you know, for my first day as Philip, uh, Mark Singer came up to me and said, uh, did you bring your life preserver? I said, wait, oh, I said, it's sinking, isn't it? And he said, yeah, in fact, a lot of water in the, in, in the hall. Now, 
Now, do you think had like the Sci-Fi Network or more cable channels, yeah. the show would have lasted? Well, probably. They probably would have picked it up and. Further <clears throat> role, uh, an airplane. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it gets quoted to you all the time. Yeah. Do you well, a get annoyed by what's your vector, Victor, or any of that stuff? No, no, I love it. And B, do you are you surprised that movie has lasted such on the test of time? When when we first did it, I was uh, a real young actor. I just uh, had only been in the business working, doing episodic TV, so on and so forth, for about four or five years. So, you know, that's relatively new, four or five years in the business. And I had no idea uh, what I was getting myself into. Joel Thurn was the casting director. Uh, Joel uh, pretty much became a, a, a very staunch supporter of me early on. I did a production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, played Nick, and he saw that performance. And from that performance, he pretty much got behind me and um, cast. He cast me in a couple of things before Airplane, but when Airplane came along, he got that gig to cast it. It was his idea to cast all of those guys: uh, Lloyd, uh, Robert Stack, Lloyd Bridges, Robert Stack, uh, Peter Graves. Um, uh, who else? Uh, I'm, I'm missing one. Uh, I'm missing the big guy, Leslie. Leslie. Um, these leading men who were known for strictly dramatic yeah. roles, uh, Leslie played a lot of heavies, and put them in this insane situation. That's what made that movie so funny, uh, 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 alongside of Robert Hayes' great performance. Um, it really was a, a wonderful performance by Robert. When you walk on the set, you see Cream out of Door Well, yeah, so anyway, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, into and uh, yeah, I'm on the set, and, and here, here they come, you know, Peter and Lloyd uh, Bridges and, and Robert Stack, and in walks uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar standing at 7-3, who had just won MVP in the playoffs. Huge. Huge. I said, oh my God, this is this is pretty cool. And uh, we we did it. And uh, six seven months later, there was a screening at the Directors Guild, and everyone was there. Everyone that worked on the film was there. And Howard Koch uh, produced it. Howard Koch also produced Casablanca, so he was pretty heavy duty cat at the time. Pretty much owned the Paramount lot as a as the patriarch of film, as it were, at the time. And uh, he, he threw a, a wonderful party, great screening. So we're all sitting there, the lights go out, and we hear the theme from Jaws. And I'm going, what the is going on? And all of a sudden, bam, out of the clouds. And I knew then that I was in a really, really neat movie. And as the movie... Uh, transpired, it became very apparent that this is probably going to be a big summer blockbuster. Little did I know it was going to become one of the all-time cult comedy classics, rated number three by the AFI as one of the all-time funniest movies. Number one, 
You know what number one is, perhaps? Like in Saddle? That would be my choice. That's my favorite film. Right. Amity. Some like it hot. Blazing Saddles is number two. Airplane's number three. That'd be remiss to not ask you about my wife's favorite TV show, Days of Our Lives. I know you had a yeah. minor role in that. I was on it for about a year. Right. Yeah. Uh, Brenda Benet, who is no longer with us, who died, um, she passed like about a year after I went off the show. She killed my character. She was a, um, uh, like a 15-pound dumbbell. <laughs> I begged the producers, I, uh, uh, Barbara Corday, I went to her office and said, Barbara, please don't kill me. Because, I mean, you get used to that paycheck. Right, of course. <laughs> it's not the greatest work for an actor, uh, other than you get to act every day. Yeah. To the tune sometimes of 40 pages a day, if your storyline is really cranky, which becomes, in and of itself, an incredibly difficult task. And to make it work. And she just said, no, I have to kill this guy. Uh, I was a pretty bad dude. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. It, uh, Brent Kavanaugh was the character. Right. And I believe Morning. the character you're trying to kill is still on the show now, Julie. I think she's still on the Julie's, show. Yeah, yeah, Julie Haggerty's been in and out of right. Days of Our Lives along with her husband yeah. uh, for years. They are the matriarch and patriarch of... Uh, Daytime television now, I think. All right, thanks for a few minutes. I really appreciate oh, it. Thank you. Thank you. And I thank Frank Ashmore for that interview. He was a really nice guy and a great interview. Uh, we'll stick with the V theme for our next guest, the one and only Mark Singer. Mark played Mike Donovan in V, and he also guest starred in the remake of V about eight years ago. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with V, you might know his role as Dar in The Beastmaster. The Beastmaster pretty much ran every day on either TBS or HBO when I was younger. I thought TBS stood for the Beastmaster station. Uh, I asked Mark about that. Mark has recently been seen as General Shreve on Arrow, and he also had a guest starring role on the Beauty and the Beast TV show. Here's my interview with Mark. So after 35 years with me, you're in here doing conventions. You actually, are you surprised like V lasted this long, the test of time? I think so. I, I think uh, one of the blessings of being on film is that the work lasts, and if it has a relevance, even if the relevance is only as a uh, historical curiosity piece, it's still around. And so uh, contributing in that way toward popular culture, and even for a glance back historically at what the norms were of entertainment and all that sort of stuff, that makes it very gratifying. Now, I spoke to Kenny Johnson last week, and he really thought, you know, it was an ensemble cast and a great diverse cast. Uh, like, you technically would star, but like when they went through the credits, you were towards the end because it's alphabetical and very uh, diverse. Just talk about how special that cast really was. The entire cast was, uh, we were so uh, blessed, and I, and of course it all is to Ken Johnson's uh, uh, credit. Uh, he cast this thing very carefully and put together such a strong uh, company of actors that it was a real honor to be in their and so, uh, as far as the uh, uh, billing was concerned, um, I, I, I think we were all just, I know I was, all just happy to be in each other's company. Now, uh, one more. Uh, Beastmaster, you know, very, you know, legendary film. Now, uh, TBS, 
played it every day. Right. Seemed like I, I, HBO. HBO as well. I think right. called it the Beastmaster right. Station. CBS. Did that kind of have a factor into uh, making the sequel as well? Oh, well, no question about it. That's again, that's one of the one of the kind of. Um, it's one of the exigencies of working on film, is that uh, if you work in the theater, uh, you have to count upon the people who come and actually sit down in the theater. If you work on film, you're going to reach millions and millions of people, and uh, you're going to reach them year after year, and in this case, decade after decade. So the audience is always there. Thanks for your time, My pleasure. Thank you. And a special thanks to Mark Singer for that interview. Our next guest is the one and only Martin Cove. Martin played Cincy John Kreese in the Karate Kid movies, the first Karate Kid is one of my all-time favorite movies. His role in that movie is legendary. It's also terrifying. I asked him about that. He also appeared in the Sweep the Leg video by the band No More Kings. If you haven't seen that video, check it out on YouTube. It's a great video. It reunites most of the Karate Kid cast. And there's a little... I won't give away who kind of fills in the uh, Mr. Miyagi role, but it's, it's kind of funny. I asked him about that video and just about the role in general of Sensei Kreese. Here's my interview with Martin Cove. So do you think after 32, 33 years you'd still be involved with the, the movie? No, I mean, you know, you never think about it. And at first, I, I don't think I ever knew the value of this movie until one day I was at the Chiller autograph show and my first autograph show and I saw all these kids. I think I was there with the cast of Last House on the Left and all of a sudden they knew my lines, these kids came with t-shirts, no mercy, sweep the leg, and I realized the value and the importance of this movie, and that was probably 10 years ago, and it's just grown in its iconic form, meaning so much to so many people. Now, I was 8 years old when we came out, and quite frankly, you, you frightened me, I, and I was doing karate, and you were, you know, scary. Did any, receive any negative uh, mail about the role? No. <laughs> no, and it's interesting because, you know, I think that, that you know, a couple of times I did when I did Rambo and Travel with Sly, and people would always start up with, with him, you know, uh, Rocky, and say, hey, man, you want to fight and do that stuff. But with my character, I think they there was a mutual respect there for loving, loving to hate the guy or just respecting him, people that, you know, like the dark side of movies. So I, I've never had that problem. One little kid once, Malibu, nailed me, five-year-old nailed me in the back and with a punch. He says, you hurt Ralph. You know, I mean, but that was it, you know? Right, yeah. Now, um, a few years ago, there was a great music video, Sweet the Lake, uh, you know, Billy directed. How fun was that making that? That was yeah. a guess. Billy was, you know, so much fun. Billy's a, you know, he's a wonderful director, and I mean, they were afraid, they wanted this great shot, which is a dusk shot, and they wanted to have the sun going down behind me. But he was just coming in that night from a movie in Ohio. And so, I mean, it was such a classy operation. They didn't trust going up basically two hours by car in a, in a car in, a, uh, in traffic. So we sent a private plane. So this little prop plane, get off the plane from Ohio, go over to the private part of the, of the airport, take off, land it, quickly got into my gi, all this stuff. A motorcycle shot, it opens up with me blowing the the um, Cobra off the highway right. and behind me is the sun one take it was over so it was that kind of classy operation yeah what are your favorite places to go when you were back in Bayside <laughs> well I like Alley, I like you know I live right off Alley Park and uh, it was the um, 
bicycle path they call right. it, and it, it stretched all the way from Cunningham Park to the Alley Pun Park, and it parallels the Union Turnpike. And I always like to go there and you know walk to either place or ride my bike when I was a little kid. Right. And living in Windsor Park, still a nice neighborhood. Now I've gone back there. Yeah. I think it's all condos now. Yeah. But it's it was really nice circular driveway and. But I remember the first thing I moved from Brooklyn. I kept my bike. I had a Schwinn Phantom, and I kept it in a bike store in um, in Brooklyn. And we thought we moved to Queens, it would be safe. The first week, my Schwinn Phantom was stolen out of the basement of the apartment building. You know. But other than that, it was always a lot of fun. And as I grew older, you know, there's all kinds of great women in the building. Right. Exactly. Thanks, Martin. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Martin Cole, for that interview, and hopefully we'll see you around the neighborhood sometime. Our next guest is author Timothy Zahn. Timothy is a science fiction writer, and he's best known for pretty much bringing back Star Wars to the forefront with his Grand Admiral Thrawn trilogy. The first book, Hair of the Empire, came out, I think it was about early 1990, maybe 1991. Uh, Star Wars, at that point, was pretty much dead. The Marvel Comics series ended its run late 80s, and there was nothing else Star Wars going on until Timothy's Hair to the Empire book. It featured Grand Admiral Thrawn, who is probably the greatest character to come out of the expanded universe. Perhaps the second greatest character is Mara Jade. Mara Jade married Luke Skywalker in the novels and in the comic books. Those characters pretty much came non-existent when... Lucasfilm was sold to Disney, and those became quote-unquote legends. They weren't officially part of the Star Wars canon anymore. The canon books were had to be commissioned by Disney, and Timothy Zahn was lucky enough to have his latest book, Thrawn, be part of the canon. Thrawn was also brought back in the Rebels cartoon in Season 3. I advise you to check that out. Here's my interview with Timothy. Star Wars fans that had gone to Star Trek or whatever, so the, the Thrawn trilogy was kind of a toe in the water to see how, whether the fans were still out there, and I think we proved, and continued to prove, Star Wars fans are are here to stay, so yeah, we were all surprised, but very pleasantly. Right, I was in ninth grade when the book came out, I actually did a uh, book report presentation about Head of the Empire, and had to explain to my uh, English teacher what the Force was. So that was, was kind of interesting. But um, now back to Thrawn. You, you, you yep. Thrawn has come out. Are you surprised how that character is kind of resonating with people? Again, yeah, I mean, nobody knew how well... I mean, an author doesn't know how well anybody is going to, to resonate with the readers. You always hope it will capture their attention and their, their interest. And we do the best we can, but we never know what's going to, to, to grab them. In Thrawn's case, I think it's partly because he was unlike anybody else we'd seen in the Empire. You know, he was intelligent, he was crafty, he couldn't use the Force, but he had this ability to read a species through their art, find their weaknesses, and exploit those. He was someone you had to outthink rather than simply lightsaber battle your way through. 
and and he also was one who cared about his troops. He wasn't going to waste them in in uh, fits of pique or whatever. So he, he was unlike anybody they had ever seen. He was a big challenge for Han, Luke, and Leia, and I think that is what's grabbed the, the readers and kept them interested and drawn for the last you know, 25 years. Right, now they brought Thrawn into Star Wars Rebels. And now he's in Rebels, and he's doing the same thing. They've captured him exactly correctly. Uh, very pleased with their, what they've done with him. Did they like, get any input for the character? No, by the time they were, they were uh, able to tell me, they were well into production. Animated series have a very long lead time. So uh, it was largely, okay, here's what we're doing with him. Here are some of the scripts to look at. Which let me incorporate some backstory and some foreshadowing into the book, since it's a prequel to Rebel Season Three. So it was a—they're—they're uh, they're the big dog, I'm the wagging tail, but we, we got to connect very nicely. Right now, do you think because they're making so many standalone movies that that'd be a future for a standalone Thrawn movie? It would perfect—it would certainly be one option for them. I have no idea what else they're planning. But you know they've got to be looking at the popularity in, in Rebels and in the book. And I'm sure they're thinking about it. But they've got so many other ideas, so many plans. You know, give them time, give them space, and I would love to see them on the big screen. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Thank you, Timothy. No problem. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. You came up with the name, Thor. And a special thanks to all my guests this week. Martin Cove, Mark Singer, Frank Ashmore, and Timothy Zahn. Be sure to like the page Reliving My Youth on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at the first Noah 19 and we'll see you next time when we relive my youth.